I speak to you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, friends, we have come to the end of parables. The end of the parables of grace, the parables of the kingdom, even the parables of judgment. We've come to the end of the liturgical year. And for some of us in this time of pandemic and political uncertainty, we have come to the end of our ropes. Thank God then that in her wisdom, the church designates this Sunday, the last Sunday before the beginning of Advent as Christ the King Sunday, crowning the year with Christ as King, ruler of all, seated on his throne, crown upon his head. In a season when we are exhausted, sick to death of capricious, politics and rulers who serve their own needs by fomenting distrust and division among average citizens, even as they discount our need for health care and calm and unemployment relief. In a time like this, it is good to be reminded that no matter what happens or how things appear on the ground in our personal lives or in the politics of our country or any country in any given year, we have a king, a messiah, who is, in fact, in charge. That's a comfort in many ways, though in today's gospel, we might find the comfort a bit chilly, given the tone. Christ separating sheep from goats, seemingly raising some to the kingdom, casting others into eternal fire. Given the judgmental tone of our times and how we've historically read the parables of judgment, the 10 bridesmaids, five foolish, five wise, and 10 talents, some invested, some buried, all the servants seemingly judged by their investment strategy, all those parables that lead up to this text, well, it's hard to hear anything other than judgment. Hard to hear anything other than the same old tune of how good we must be in order to be saved versus the warning of what will happen to us if we aren't up to snuff. Well, perhaps. Far be it from me to suggest that there's no judgment at all. Yet I find it curious that these two groups, sheep, goats, representing all the people of the earth, Neither of those two groups has any idea that they had been with Jesus all along, feeding him or not, welcoming him or not, clothing and caring and visiting him or not. Everyone is surprised when they meet Christ the King in judgment to find that, in fact, they had been meeting him all along, every day in the course of their normal lives. We all know that scriptures replete with admonitions to care for the vulnerable, to offer help to the poor and the widow and the orphan, to create a just society. These ethical values permeate all the law and the Hebrew scriptures. We know God desires love, not sacrifice. 
that we are to do justice and love mercy and walk humbly with God. We know all that. So the surprise in this text, the surprise here, is not that we are to care for the vulnerable. The surprise is that God in Christ is revealed in those very people we care for. And taken a step further, another surprise might be that each one of us reveal Christ to those who care for us in our hunger and thirst, our illness and need. In this spectacular scripture, that envisions the son of man in glory, surrounded by angels, seated on a throne, all the world gathered before him in judgment. We learn that God is not only found in mystical visions on mountaintops after years of prayer and study. We see we don't have to strain after God. Rather, Christ is found in our neighbor, in the bodies of those around us, the beautiful, and the boring, the wonderful, mundane people we interact with day to day. This not a miraculous gift, as miraculous as any sacrament. In fact, a sacrament itself, Christ found in the needs of those around us. If we wish to see Jesus, well, we can look to our neighbors, especially the vulnerable ones, for that is how Christ came to us, vulnerable as an infant, vulnerable in a body like ours, vulnerable in suffering and death on a cross. No wonder, no wonder then, friends, that it is in the last and the least, the lost and the little, just each other, that we find him. In a time, like any time, when our attention is grabbed by the promises and the threats of politicians, when it can seem our fates lie in the hands of the powerful who too often care about us only as far as we serve or are useful to them, it is tempting, it is so tempting to focus on getting ahead by our own hard work, stepping over the one in need to get to the one in position. It's tempting to trust in a meritocracy where our own efforts reward us. But in this time, in any time, our true king is the one who called the poor blessed, the one who befriended the lost and the least. Our true king is the one who told parables about parties thrown for prodigal sons who never ever straightened up, but learned to say yes to grace. And when we too hang out with the little and the last, realizing that we number among them. When we look into the face of the vulnerable and see an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace, well then, when we face our judgment, 
we will recognize in the face of our king, the face of the one crucified, the vulnerable one who sacrificed all, not so that we would be good, but so that we might be saved. The one who before coming to judge us came first to love us. And when he reigns, blessings will abound. Prisoners leap to lose their chains. The weary find eternal rest and all who suffer want are blessed. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.